All right, good evening, everybody. This uh, evening, we're going to be in Exodus, chapter 29, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. You know, I keep saying that, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, we've got a bunch of them back here by the sound booth. You can grab one, and then also, you know, get one, uh, so that you can follow along. I I think... uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but there's a. Eventually, we'll get to the New Testament, and we'll talk about. <laughs> that's a a joke because it looks like it's going to be about ten years before we get there. Um, but being a Berean as part of being a Christian is to make sure that when you're hearing something or you're being taught something, that you search the scriptures to make sure that what you're hearing is accurate or right, and um, and so you want to do that. Um, so that's why we say open your Bibles and follow along. Make sure I'm not reading from some weird book or something, and um, and we track. You know, you're you're we're right on track. So, uh, been a uh, a really super regular week. Um, normally, you say it's been a great week or it's been a crazy week or something like that, and it's been really typical. So, I don't know what that means except that um, it kind of goes along with the teaching tonight. I guess is where I'm going with that. As we talk about the high priest and the priests and their consecration and their daily routine and all that, it truly is a daily routine, day in and day out. And I think that's what I got the most out of this chapter when studying it was that it is endurance. It is um, consistency. It is steadfastness. All those words come to mind as I read about these priests doing the same thing day in and day out. Um, with as much enthusiasm as they did the, the day before. Um, and, and that's not easy uh, to stay that motivated about something like that. Um, I don't know how many times I've changed jobs, you know, uh, sometimes from boredom, uh, sometimes it just wasn't a good fit or whatever. Um, but longevity, you need to have a passion for it. And so that's my segue. With Jesus Christ, we have to have that longevity. There's a passion for Christ that causes me to want to every day live even better or closer or proclaim him more than I ever have before, more than I did yesterday. And that needs to be there. Um, And that's what comes from consecrating your life, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword that it's able to cut between the joint and the marrow, between the soul and the spirit, and to be a discerner of our hearts tonight. We thank you for that. Every time I open your word, every time I read it, whether that's in quiet time or in study time, or even right now as we're about to dig in a little bit, you always, you always teach, you always show. Your Holy Spirit always brings us to something new or a truth that we've forgotten but we're reminded of. And I pray that you do that tonight for each and every one of us. I pray that for each and every class as the kids are being taught in the back, I pray for their safety. First of all, physically, I know they're playing around outside in the dark now. It gets dark so early now. But also, I pray their little hearts are open to receive everything your word has for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Aaron and his sons are consecrated tonight. It begins in verse 1, And this is what you shall do to them to hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Things you've got to do. Hallowed, not a word we use often, but holy. There's how you holy them, you know? How you get them prepared to be able to come into my presence, to be able to minister not only to me, but also to the people, the nation of Israel. And that's no different than us as Christians. There's some things you've got to do to be holied, 
or to become hallowed, and that's to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I can't teach the Bible unless I'm saved. I can't minister to God unless I'm saved. I can't minister to people unless I'm saved. This is something that has to come first. There has to be an atonement for my sins, a payment for my sins. Otherwise, I'm, well, I'm tainted. Uh, I've got guilt. I've got shame. And it makes me unusable. I can't approach God on my own without that atonement, without that forgiveness, without that sacrifice. Everything, every animal that's ever sacrificed, every sacrifice specifically, remember there's a lot of them, it all points to Christ, every single one of them. Now, there were many different sacrifices the nation of Israel would do to draw close to God. There'd be a sin sacrifice, there's a fellowship sacrifice, there's a consecration, and we're going to talk about a lot of those things tonight. But all of those speak of the different aspects that Christ has done for us. Every animal, every lamb, every bull, every ceremony that takes place at this tabernacle points to one aspect of what Christ has done for us. The volume of the book is written of me, he said. The volume of the book. And so these aren't boring things. These are things that show us um, just some of the things that Christ has done for us or desires of us, especially that fellowship one and the forgiveness, and and all those. So these are things that you have to do to get the priests ready to begin to do their work. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish. Everything has to be perfect. Nothing can be flawed. All symbolizing that Jesus will be the perfect sacrifice in him was found no deceit. There's no no problems with him. Uh, Pontius Pilate, a Gentile of all people, actually looked at him and said, I find no fault in this man. These two rams and this bull have to be unblemished, unleavened bread, that's without sin, no leaven, nothing that's causing it to rot or raise, unleavened cakes mixed with with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. All those things, perfect and without sin. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And Aaron and his two sons, you shall bring to the door the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. Remember, they got that gold plate on there um, on top of that turban. And you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. And that's a picture that I'd love to do sometime. We ought to take Sam up here. He's in the front row. It's his problem. And put him right here and just pour oil all over his head and just watch it drip down over his face and beard. And he'd be up for that. He'd do it. Uh, Sunday school teachers, these, these guys are they're diehards. They'll do whatever it takes to get the word across. So we get a picture of what that must have looked like as we see him. That was their form of a shower. That was a form of them looking healthy. Um, uh, it showed, uh, well, it, and it symbolized an anointing from the Holy Spirit upon the priest. It's all symbolic, of course. But you'd see that happening, and he'd be glistening and glowing, and it'd be all over his robe and everything. And What a beautiful picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit which we all need, which we all must have. Every bit of these, of these special tunics and, and ephods and everything that they're wearing um, symbolizes the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. You know, 
We have wisdom, we have knowledge, that breastplate, that lights of perfection, that the urim and the thummim that we talked about earlier, all those stones on the breastplate, things we carry on our shoulders. Remember the names of Israel are on the shoulders of the high priest. We all have that, the ability to intercede and to pray for people. These are all things he wants us to do and calls us to do. This is all a picture. Got to offer the sacrifice first. Got to get washed. Got to be cleansed. Have to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then, when you're fully dressed, fully prepared, hallowed, then you can begin to serve God. And put the holy crown on the turban, and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Then you shall bring the sons, all Aaron's sons, and put tunics on them. And you shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put the hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron's sons. You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull, And put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and pour all the blood beside the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull, with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. So that's our first offering for these guys, a sin offering. It's got to be taken care of first. Can't get past the bronze altar. The bronze altar represents sin. You have to come to that first. You can't enter into the holy place. You can't go around those things. You have to confront your sin first, offer up the appropriate sacrifice for that, which is Jesus Christ, the only lamb, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, applied to to our hearts, taking away our sin And then we move on from there. And then you can draw close. And then you begin to worship. But not until your sin is dealt with. It's got to come first. The laying on of hands. When when they would lay their hands upon the bull. That's the passing of their sins to the bull. That's a very picturesque. And we have that same moment. We talk about in songs. Sitting at the foot of the cross. Acknowledging that what's happening here is for me. The, The fact that Christ died on the cross was for my sins. It's a very personal moment. It's a very personal moment for these guys. No one else could lay their hands on them for somebody else. You couldn't do that. It had to be you, your bull, your animal. This is me passing my sins, everything I've done in the past, to this animal. And then watch this animal die symbolically, which is what Christ did. Every one of us has to have that moment. Every person watching, every person in this world has to have this moment with Christ. I believe my sins, my sins, and if I were the only person on earth, you would still need to die for my sins on the cross. I believe that. I believe that what God said about you, what your father said about you, that you are the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, including mine, I believe that in my heart. That's that sin offering, acknowledging that. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23 Paul writes to the Romans, explaining to them, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages, the earnings, my paycheck for my sins is death. They were warned about that, Adam and Eve. If you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die. And of course, the serpent said, no, you're not going to die. And 
You did. They spiritually died. They were no longer able to be in the presence of God anymore without a clothing, without a sacrifice. When they heard God walking in the cool of the day after they had both eaten of the fruit, they both hid, covered themselves with fig leaves, and God says, where are you, Adam? And it's not like God didn't know where they were. He knew where they were. But where are you? Because we're not in fellowship like we used to. You, You didn't used to hide. You didn't used to wear, you know, vegetation. But you are. Did you eat of that fruit I told you not to eat of? We did. Well, first he blamed his wife. <laughs> yeah, it was a woman that you gave me. And she said, well, it was a snake. It's a serpent that did it. It tricked us both. Well, that vegetation, your own covering, your own way of masking your sin, that cover-up that you've decided to wear is not good enough for me, isn't going to work. Take off the fig leaves. You're going to have to wear and animal skin. He made them a tunic out of animal skin. How'd that animal skin show up? It had to be sacrificed. It had to be killed. From the very beginning, we've been told this. The wages of your sin is death. And that was the first time. Remember, they're all vegeta- uh, vegetarians back then. There was no meat eating. These were friends. These were animals you called and talked to. The lion wasn't scared of you. There was no fear between the animals and human beings at all. Scripture tells us that. And so to see that, first of all, would have been horrific, but then to wear that afterwards would have been a constant reminder that my coverings for my sin are not good enough for God. It has to be his prescribed way. The wages of sin is death. Isaiah 53, 6, speaking of Jesus, all we like sheep have gone astray, We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of our iniquity was laid upon Jesus Christ. The passing of the sins onto the bull, symbolic of what Christ would do for us and has done for us. Now, how does this apply to us? Well, I'm not a priest. Well, we are. Romans chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, right off the bat, As we're getting into the book of Revelation, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So as much as I'd like to avoid ministry or as much as I'd like to not feel like it's my responsibility to talk to people about Christ, it is. It absolutely is my responsibility to share Christ with people, to be Christ also. To not just be a a proclaimer of the word, but a doer of the word, being a doer of the word. Our kids have all the salty CDs, and if you don't know what that is, Salty's the psalm book from old school Calvary Chapel. CD after CD, there's I, there's, I don't know, 12 or 14 of them. Well, we've got them all, and they're all, in, they're all jammed into our car CD player. You know, you can't get them out. So every time we turn that on, you know, they're, they start. And, and after a while, Ernie, who, who is old school Calvary Chapel, he uses the voice of, of the Salty, the, the psalm book, grates on my nerves a little bit to you know and I'm a pastor I'm super saved so you know that but I after a while it's like okay can we listen to something else you know 
What's crazy though is the kids love it, so I don't say anything, and they let they Dad, let's listen to Salty. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a great idea. Fade to the back, you know. <laughs> it's amazing how much truth there is, though, that I absorb listening to that. There's going to be three references that I'm not going to claim Salty told me this week, but he did in this teaching tonight. Be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word that's being drilled into my kid's head and into my brain. I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be a doer of the word. You know? Well, I wouldn't be telling you this if you were doing it. That's how God is. I wouldn't be telling you this if you were doing it. Or if I find out later on or I see later on that you're not going to be doing it. I'm just reminding you right now, be a doer of the word. We have the responsibility through Christ, he's made us kings, first of all, and priests. I want you to be a priest to this world. I want you to intercede on behalf of the people to God and, and, and pray for them. And then I want you to be also ministering to them on behalf of me. I want them to know me. You've got to talk to them about me, but you've also got to be a doer. Am I prayed up? Am I sacrificed up? Have I confessed my sins before the Lord? Am I right with him? You know, Have I had my quiet time? A couple of times the, the disciples got caught off guard. They said, oh, we couldn't cast this demon out. He goes, this kind of only comes out through prayer and fasting. Well, you kind of thought that'd be part of their daily routine to pray and fast, but apparently they were coasting a little bit. We're getting pretty good at this casting demon stuff out, and then they met this dude, or dudes, how many demons were in her? I don't know. And Jesus says, yeah, this one's going to be a little tougher than the easy little ones you've been dealing with. He didn't say all that, but that's the idea. This kind, kind, only comes out by prayer and fasting, which means we need to be ready for that. Some days, routine in our lives. Some days, normal. Put a track there at the gas station, you know, and telling people about Jesus, you know, or maybe saying, I'll pray with you, or actually stopping sometimes. Other days, you better be prayed up and fasting because they're going to be an interesting day. You're going to run into interesting situations, you know. And are you ready for that, priest? Anyway, he calls us that. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And that's what this all was about. This first section through verse 14 was all about sanctifying the priest, setting them apart. And that does not change to the New Testament. He's called every believer to be sanctified. This is God's will for you, he says. I mean, those are those verses that you just love. I do anyway. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what you want from me. Well, I'm glad you asked. I just want you to set yourself apart. Anything other than that, you know. Any other verses you have for me? Nope, I just want you to sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart. The priests were constantly set apart. They looked different than everybody. They acted differently. They were a peculiar people because of all the nation of Israel, these were the guys wearing white. These were the guys offering up sacrifices. You knew where they stood. You knew what they did every day. There was no doubt about it in any of the people's minds who that was or what they were for, whether that was the glistening beard from the oil or the smell of smoke or the blood-soaked garments from the day's work that they would have, everybody knew who they were. And that's how we carry ourselves as Christians. 
Everybody in this world needs to know where I stand. They need to know what I do. They need to know who my God is and that I am unmovable and shakable in what God's called me to do each and every single day. We're called to that. This is my will for you. This is the will of God, your sanctification. He wants that. Verse 15, you shall also take one ram and Aaron his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram and you shall kill the ram. You shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around the altar. Then you shall cut the ram in pieces, wash its entrails and its legs and put them with the pieces and with its head. And you shall burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. You shall also take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the ram. Then you shall kill the ram and take some of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, the tip of the right ear of his sons, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot. Okay, now we're getting weird, right? There's a reason for that. There's a reason for everything. I want to be a hearer of God, sanctify, set apart, consecrate my ears to hear from the Lord. I don't want to hear the world. I don't want to hear advice unless it's godly. I don't want to hear the whispering of those other voices in our heads, which we all have. You thought you were the only one. We all do. Try to discern which is God, which is me, and which is whoever else. I'm not saying there's other people in you, but you know what I mean. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish between my flesh and God's will. Because I can make my flesh sound pretty holy sometimes. I just do. That's a great idea, you know. That's a great idea. Yeah, but was it your idea or God's idea? Well, I don't know. What difference does it make? It was just a really good idea. Patting yourself on the back. Discerning. I want to have an ear to hear from the Lord. And that takes time. That takes time to learn my shepherd's voice. And then to obey my shepherd's voice, that's a doer. Hearing it's one thing, doing it is the second step. I heard God tell me to do this, then we do it, and we do it without doubt. We do it by faith. That's very important. And and, and this, I'll I'll tell you my experience with people and with myself, I include myself because I do this also, but you hear from God, You step out by faith and do what God's called you to do, and then you have a change of heart or mind on the matter. And it's embarrassing, honestly. Because you thought you knew, and you could hear, and you understood, and you take a step in the wrong direction, and you realize, man, that was me. That was all me. Okay. Now, that's fine. Just we need to learn from those moments. We don't want to be chronic in that behavior, where I step out and when it gets hard, I feel like God's changed his mind or closed the door, okay? Things for God are going to be hard. They are. Remember, we have an enemy. We have adversaries. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. My flesh doesn't want to do what God wants to do. The devil definitely doesn't want me to do, and the world does not want me to be an impact on it at all. So we are going to have pushback when it comes to ministry, Know that ahead of time. I mean, you look at Paul's life, you talk about pushback. I mean, the guy sometimes didn't get beat up when he talked about Jesus. Sometimes. But for the most part, that's about what we read. 
He's either a slave, he's either in chains, he's either in prison, he's getting beat up, he's being left for dead, he's got 39 minus 1 or 40 minus 1, you know, canings that they got, the whippings, the lashings. There's going to be pushback to that, and I need to know that. I need to have ears to hear what God wants me to do, and then I've got a thumb. Well, the right thumb. I better do the right thumb. It means I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to serve God, and I'm going to, in my big toe, I'm going to walk in his ways. I'm going to do that. I've consecrated my life. I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to serve God, and I'm going to walk with him. That's what I do. That's what I'm known for. Every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, provided... I don't take a break. This is where you're going to find me standing here doing what I do because I know I'm called to this, you know. Sometimes we'll have someone else speak or share, you know. I guarantee you that day I'm ministering someplace else, you know. It's just day in and day out. All of us are called to that, not just me, obviously. This is how God calls me to minister to him, but there's other ways to minister to him. Right here, thumb, big toe. Hear, do, and walk in his ways. And you shall take some of the blood that is on the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, on his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he and his garments shall be hallowed, holy, and his sons and his sons' garments with him. There's going to be a little bit of everything that you come in contact with, everything you wear, it needs to be, well, it needs to be holy. Is what I do say, involve myself in, is it godly? Is it something that he would feel comfortable joining me in? You know? Sanctifying your life is a deal. Um, I don't know where you are in your walk, um, how long you've been walking with God, um, but it is always good to look at your life and look at your home and look at the things in your home, look at the hobbies that you have, Look at the habits you picked up, and I guess we call it an inventory, some people would say, and say, spring cleaning time, you know? That's the one good thing. I, I sell houses on the side. That's my side job. There's one good thing about moving is you unload a bunch of garbage you've been collecting, you know, boxes of it. I don't want to ever move that stuff again. It seems like I, ha- I didn't even unpack that box from the last time I moved, and I'm moving it to the next house. That needs to go. Well, there's things in our life that, spiritually speaking, we need to kind of look at our lives and say, does this, does this belong here? Does this fit? Is Jesus comfortable with this being in my life? And if, it, if you have any doubt about it, the answer is probably no. And so get rid of it, you know? There's some radical things I did when I first got saved. I've talked about them before, and I think all of us need to have those moments where you do radical things. I'm getting rid of that. That, That's just garbage. And your friends will think you're crazy. Your family will think you're crazy. But you're sanctifying your life. You're setting yourself apart. You're, you're, You're believing God's word, first of all, by him telling you this should not be in your life. And then you're a doer of that word by removing it from your life, no matter what the world, the flesh, and the devil say. You'll never regret being obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. You'll never look back and say, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. It might have been radical. It might have even been rash in some cases. I've done a lot of rash things. But I look back on that rashness, that haste, that speed, that 
I don't know what else, what other, I need to get my thesaurus out, but <laughs> I wish I had more of that in my life today than I, it seems like I've lost some of that sometimes. Now, maybe it's because my house is super clean. That's what I tell myself, right? But maybe it's just because I'm getting old, you know? A little worried about letting that go or this go. Gotten accustomed to it. You know, it's comfortable. I've justified it in my head, you know? Setting yourself apart is something that you do, I think, more than once. It's just a continual process. Maybe every two or three years you look at your life and you say, what needs to change? What, needs, what, do, I need, what do I need to get rid of? Um, moving on. Also, you shall take the fat of the ram, the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and the fat on them, the right thigh, for it is a ram of consecration. One loaf of bread, one cake made with oil, one wafer from the basket of unleavened bread that is before the Lord, and you shall put all these in the hands of Aaron and in the hands of his sons, and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. They lift them up, a heave offering, or wave them before the Lord. It's yours, God. Now, he didn't literally eat them, but that's the idea. You shall receive, uh, you sh I'm sorry, and you shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. You shall receive them back from their hands and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering, as a sweet aroma before the Lord. It is an offering made by fire to the Lord. Then you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be your portion. And from the ram of consecration, you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering, which is waved, and the thigh of the heave offering, which is raised, of that which is for Aaron and of that which is for his sons. It shall be from the children of Israel for Aaron and his sons by a statute forever, for it is a heave offering. It shall be a heave offering from the children of Israel, from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, that is, their heave offering to the Lord. In other words, these things that they're offering up doesn't come from themselves. It comes from the people to give to them, to lift up for themselves. They provide the sacrifice for him. Now, there's a lot of different things going on here. I mean, it all, and, I, and that was my struggle today was, okay, do I, do I look up and look into every single sacrifice and lay it out for you detail by detail, or do we need to step back and see the forest, which is what I'm doing tonight? That's what I decided to do is let's look at the forest, not the trees. We're consecrating. All that's happening here is the guys are getting prepared to have, first of all, the, they're repenting from their sins. The second thing is they're having fellowship with God which you have to have that. You have to, have, you have to repent from your sins. You have to have fellowship with God. That means you hang out with him. You enjoy, you listen, you learn, you talk back. He talks to you. You have that conversation, constant. You consecrate yourself, which is what they're happening. You set yourself apart, not only fellowship, but now you're starting to look like him and act like him and be like him, and you want that. Then you move on to you're serving him. You begin to actually do things for other people in his name. First three things are for you, but that last one is for him and for others. You change. Uh, the, the class that we were going to have, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm changing it all around. I've got different ideas about this class. For It's called Calvary Chapel Philosophy of Ministry because we are a little different. We do things a little differently, and I was going to try to explain how, why. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do it the way you do it? Well, it's not, the, it's not the only way. It's just a way and the way that we feel like God showed us to do. I was going to talk about that. Well, um, when you move from receiving ministry 
to giving ministry, it's a, it's a big step in a Christian's life. When you begin to not only receive teaching, which I think we always do, I still do, I listen to teachings, I still listen to pastors, and I receive from them, but when you then in turn give it out to other people, whether that's in Sunday school or in your homes or with friends or family or wherever you do it, it's a, there's quite a switch from being served to serving, okay? And, and that's the shit. We've got to have that repentance. I have to have solid understanding that of who I am, humbly broken before the Lord. I've repented of my sin. And then I have fellowship with God on a regular basis. I've learned to feed myself from God's word. I don't have to be fed, although it's important to be fed. I, if it never happened and I was on a, alone on a desert island with the Bible, I would be able to feed myself. Self-sufficient, you can do that. I've consecrated my life because it doesn't do any good for me to tell you or help you with the plank in your eye, if I have not, or the, the speck in your eye, if I haven't gotten rid of the plank in my eye first, there's things that have to happen. There's a reason that, that it's in this order. Repent, fellowship, consecrate. Getting the plank out of my eye shows me how much it hurts, how hard it is, and how difficult it is to hold still during that process and to appreciate the sight afterwards before I can begin to start jabbing around in your eye, helping you with your speck. So I've got to have that consecration first. And then I begin to serve other people. And boy, you're a whole lot more gentle with people when you've done these three things for yourself first. It isn't one of those things where you'd say, well, I just got to take care of me before I can take care of you. It is, but it's not like what you mean. It isn't like I need to get rested or I need to have some dark chocolate or I need to have some quiet, you know, a pillow or a nap. That's not it. It's, I've gone through this for myself. Now I can help you with yours. And boy, I'll be careful. Because I know how hard it was for me, you see. That's what's happening with these guys. These guys are going to have to do this. We're about to read it seven days in a row. Seven is the number of completion in the Bible. Eight is the number of new beginnings. You'll you'll learn that as as you go along. Six is the number of man and so on. But seven is the number of, that's seven days in a week, so on. You know, it's a number of completion. It's, a, it's complete. The, day, the week is over. And then the, the, the next day is the eighth day. It's the new beginning. It's the first of the next week is the idea. Seven times are going to have to do this. And it's not because it, it didn't take the first six times. It's that I want you to understand this needs to be complete and thorough in your life. Before you can begin to take sacrifices from people who are going to bring it to the tabernacle and you're going to lay it on the altar and you're going to offer up prayer and say, this is for Bob over here. He laid his hands upon this lamb. I'm sacrificing it to you, God, on behalf of Bob. Before you can do that, you have to do this for yourself. If you want to be a good minister, a good servant of God and be a blessing to those around you, we've got to do these things. This maintenance. Complete. So that's their peace offering. Verse 29, and the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed in them and to be consecrated uh, in them. That that son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days when he enters the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. And you shall take the ram of the consecration and boil its flesh in the holy place. Then Aaron and his son shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. 
They shall eat those things. So there's your fellowship offering that we talked about. You have a sin offering. It all gets burned up to God. It shows, you know, the sacrifice has been made. Um, You've got your consecration that's taken place, and then you've got your fellowship now. Now that I've had my sin dealt with, now that I've uh, consecrated myself, now I'm beginning to have really good fellowship with God. We have one thing in common tonight. We're here for one thing, most of us, all of us, I believe. And that's to worship Jesus, to get into his word. That's the one thing we have in common tonight. That's what gives us fellowship with one another. Most of the week, I don't see most of you, right? Except on Wednesdays or Sundays. That's the only time. But I see you here because we've come together for a purpose. We've come here to worship God. We're, We're worshiping Jesus. And then we go off and we're light and salt to this world. But I generally don't see you for the rest of the time. We interact with other people. Um. That's what, that's what my friendship with you, it, that's the source of it. I would not probably be friends with most of you outside of Christ. Christ is the commonality. That's what brings us together, you see. These priests, day in and day out for seven days, offering up sacrifices, doing the blood, they've got a relationship with one another. They understand each other. They've gone through these things. They've done seven days, each one of them, for all these sacrifices. They're building there's a camaraderie there. There's an understanding that most of the world just doesn't get. You know, Don't be surprised when the world looks at you and says, you're going to church on Wednesday? That's weird. Well, I guess it is to, to you, you know. But to the folks I'm going to see there, it's normal. They'd ask where I was, not because we're keeping track, although we are. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but because we care for one another. Uh, salty reference number two, I wasn't going to tell you about. It talks about the coals. Yeah, when, you, when we used to barbecue, a lot of us have gas and electric now, but if you still use charcoal, you know how you start it off, right? You pull all the coals together, you mount them up really high, you cheat with a lot of lighter fluid, and if you're dumb like I am, you kind of squirt on it every now and then while it's still on fire. You're not supposed to do that. Sorry, fireman over there is going, that's just bad. But while they're heaped up together, you do that on purpose because you light them and they get hot, glowing red hot. And after you see them all turn white, they're all white and they're glowing red hot, then you can spread them out for an even cook. But if you were to take that coal and leave it over here or take it away from that pile over here, it gets cold really fast. It's only together that they get hot. That's what's happening tonight. That's what happens on Sundays. That's what happens with fellowship. That's what happens with these priests is we're getting all lumped together and we're getting red hot to go out this week. And then we cool off. And then we got to come back together, you know, and get red hot again. We need each other. We need that fellowship. Don't forsake the assembling together of the brethren, which is the manner of some. I want to stay red hot Christian. When we come together and we have moments like this and, you know, we're saying amen, you know, yeah, preach, or we're singing, or we're raising hands, or we're really getting into it, we're, we're getting stoked, you know, not California stoked, but like <laughs> stoking a fire. The billows, you know, they're blowing on us. They're feeling the wind of the Holy Spirit. We're getting excited for God again because tomorrow's going to be another Thursday, you know, and after Sunday, there's going to be a Monday. And the same pushback that we've had all week is going to be there. I need to be red hot when I get there. You know, there's a reason that we, God wants us to hang out together. Anyway, they're having their fellowship. They're eating together. They're eating the sacrifice with God. They're eating together. And only they can do that. 
It says this, but an outsider shall not eat them because they are holy. The world will never understand our barbecue with God. They'll never get it. And that doesn't mean they're excluded. We're not exclusive, but it is a closed group. You've got to be brought in. They've got to want that. They've got to come. They've got to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've got to join in this moment. Everything that they've done together so far by consecrating themselves, repenting, fellowshipping, and serving God, that has to happen in that person's life for them to understand, for them to partake. But an outsider shall not eat them because they are holy. And if any of the flesh of the consecration offerings or of the bread remain until morning, then you shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy. You can't share it with people that are, well, that, well they're unbelievers. But the idea is make them believers. I, I, just don't, I just don't want that to be misunderstood tonight. So you see, Christians, we're way better than everybody else. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The more coals, the better. We got to bring them, though. You got to bring them here. Not here, but to Christ. Bring them to Christ. Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you. Seven days you shall consecrate them. And you shall offer a bull every day as a sin offering for atonement. You shall cleanse the altar when you make atonement for it. And you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and sanctify it. And the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar must be holy. You get the idea? This is important, you know. Seven days, seven days, seven days, continual, continual. In Hebrews chapter 10, I got three minutes. We can do it. If you want to turn there, if not, I'll read it to you. But this is what we call sword drills. You can find Hebrews. And I'll race you there. I beat you. Remember, the book of Hebrews is written by a Hebrew to the Hebrews to tell them to stop being Hebrews, okay? Explaining that everything that happened in the Old Testament is about Christ. And so they get to chapter 10 here, the writer does, and uh, I'll start in verse 8. You could read the whole chapter, but we don't have time for that. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for your sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He, Jesus, takes away the first that he may establish the second. The first, the Old Testament, has been taken away to establish the second. We study and read the Old Testament because it explains and helps us to understand how uh, comprehensive the sacrifice of Christ was. But that is the only sacrifice we need or have anything to do with, okay? He has taken away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What we've been reading in the Old Testament, the Hebrew guy is trying to write to them and say, don't you see, Jesus has done this once, not seven days, not over and over again. We don't have to have that. Once he died for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Beautiful commentary on the Old Testament. 
Hebrews is a fantastic commentary and helps us to understand it. Now, I read that to you because I want we need to know that. Everything we're reading here, you know, seven days, all this stuff. What Christ did is Christ did at the cross was so huge. It, it, it took care of all of this. None of this did any good to take away sins. It only covered the sins, we know. But Christ came and took away our sins. Truly makes us holy. And we don't comprehend that because we still feel guilty. We still feel like we're dirtbags. And, and, and I understand that. And, and I think God does too. He knows we're but dust. But when Christ, or when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. He sees us as perfect. He sees the garment. He sees the holiness that Christ has imputed to us. The righteousness of God is imputed to us through Christ Jesus. It's a big deal. In Hebrews 10, you can read the whole book. I mean, it's just amazing, but we'll get to it. Anyway, now, this, and back to, back to finish up the book, or chapter here in uh, chapter 29. Now, this is what you shall do. Offer on the altar two lambs of the first year, day by day continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. So uh, forever, there was a, a sacrifice in the morning and a sacrifice at night, and so the smoke would constantly be going up. There'd be an evening sacrifice and a morning sacrifice. This is that right here. Um, so the people of Israel will always see the smoke coming up from the bronze altar. With the one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed and with one-fourth of a hen of pressed oil and one-fourth of a hen of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and you shall offer with it grain offering and drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma and offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord where I will speak to you, or where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be uh, sanctified by my glory. Okay, so Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also risen, is, is risen, uh, who is even at the right hand of God who always makes intercession for us. That's what's happening here. The sacrifices morning and evening aren't to uh, do something necessarily, but to show the continual fellowship we have with God, the continual. When Christ died on the cross for us, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's always praying for us. Christ is not the condemner of us. He is the savior of us. He always intercedes for us. He's always praying for us. And I need no other. He is the perfect person to pray for us. He is the one who intercedes for us. And that's what these two lambs, morning and evening, this constant sweet-smelling aroma forever is to symbolize what Christ would do for us and is doing for us even tonight. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting at the and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. And here's why. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. All of this so that he could come to that tabernacle and be with his people. I want to be there. I desire to be there. I don't want to be separated from you. So this is what has to happen for that fellowship. If you're not a believer tonight, if you've never trusted in Christ for your Savior and trusted in him to pay for your sins, please understand that's what he's saying to you tonight. 
There was no way for you to come to me. There was no way for you to come close to me. The penalty for your sin is your death. And I know that. It's, it's my judgment that's going to do it. But that's not my heart for you. My heart for you is that you have fellowship with me. And so I will make a way. I'm going to send my son, perfect, to take your place at the cross, on your cross, in your tomb. And he's going to bear your iniquity. And I'm going to put him in his grave. And in three days, he's going to raise from the dead. He's going to rise from the dead. And that proves the sacrifice was perfect. Death cannot hold him because he's perfect. That's for you tonight. Please know that. We'll finish up with these verses here. Isaiah 53, 12. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's a prophecy from Isaiah 53, 12 about the Messiah, Jesus. Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Nobody's sins are too great for Jesus. His sacrifice covered up all of those, can cover up all of those, will cover up all of those, is. (laughs) There's so many different ways to put it. Your sins are never going to outdo what Christ did on the cross. They can't. And that's a relief. It's supposed to be a relief. It's supposed to be a blessing. And that's what we close tonight. Five after, five after our time. That's not too bad. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement, the comfort. Old Testament stuff here. Some of it's a little interesting, but thank you for clarifying it and helping us to understand it from the New Testament as you make a commentary on that so we can understand the sacrifice that you made for us. The comprehensive, complete perfect sacrifice of your son Jesus and how it accomplished all that the other sacrifices couldn't. So we thank you for that tonight. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the desire to set us apart, to sanctify us. Thank you for the fellowship we have. And now, Lord, help us to consecrate our ears, our our thumbs, and our big toes tonight, Lord, that we might be effective, beautiful ministers of yours on this earth to those around us, God. They need to know your love. They need to know the forgiveness is is for them and can be received. They need to be born again. Lord, help us to lead them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good rest of the night, guys. If you need prayer before you go, please come on up. Be glad to pray with you.